0: Hello and welcome to the Symmetry Sessions podcast. I'm your host, Heather McPaul. Join me for in-depth, down-to-earth, and casual conversations about all things healthy, wealthy, and wise. We delve into topics related to therapy, mental health, relationships, business, and more with guests from all walks of life. And even though I am a professionally licensed counselor, this is just a show. And the information presented is just for informational educational purposes only. It's definitely not meant to replace getting professional help from a doctor or a therapist. So please seek that help from a qualified healthcare professional if you need it. And if it is an emergency, please call 988 988- or other appropriate emergency services. I'm very excited to bring to you a variety of amazing guests and topics, so let's get started with today's episode. Welcome to The Symmetry Sessions. Joining me here today once again is Susanna Morris, longtime best friend and co-creator of what did we call that country that we invented? Oh Do you? Rem- I don't remember. Uh,
1: I don't either. It was just the <laughs> other day, though, right? Where we were discussing this.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, anyway, uh, our imagination. <laughs> I don't know, land. Anyway,
1: <laughs> imagination land. Sure.
0: Imagination land. And uh, on that topic, we're here to discuss something that we discussed back in episode 14 about lasting relationships, or lasting friendships, rather. Susanna, you said, whimsy is necessary for life.
1: I strongly believe that. (laughs) Play play and fun are necessary. I'm I'm not sure that I'm the best at following my own guidelines, but uh, I I fully believe it.
0: And that's why I wanted to talk about it, because I feel like you get to a certain age, you get into a certain stage of adulthood, and we lose the ability to um, prioritize whimsy and play and fun. Well, whimsy and play for sure, or creativity. And, um, you know, it's hard to get adults to integrate that back into their lives, but it was such an important part of our lives when we were younger.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like um, I, I used to, well, I still believe in what I refer to as selective adulting. Um, <laughs> I feel like the discussion of the term adulting has become very cliche and, you know, but um, I being an adult doesn't mean you always have to be an adult. like there are things where you have yes you have to do your taxes that's not fun you have to do if you have kids you have to take care of your children they need food um so but that doesn't mean that there aren't periods of time where you can choose to not not adult and that's where the the fun and play come come into it
0: yeah why is it important to have that as an adult, do you think?
1: It's an escape. I think life, life can be hard. Life is kind of always hard. Nobody, nobody ever said it would be easy, but, um, you need, you need a, a point where you can separate from how serious everything can be.
0: But then to our discussion back in episode 14, I think embracing that as kids got us through really difficult times. And I don't know why that needs to stop. Well, it's really hard to, I think, um, because we're such a busy culture um, and that there's so much emphasis put on being busy um, well, and, as a badge and, of honor.
1: And growing up. be the mature one, be, you know, act, act mature, act. People want to act older than their age, not younger than their age. It's, you know, a drive to get to 21 so that you can start drinking legally. There are all these maturity based um, milestones that we've created in society that make it so you're not supposed to keep playing. You're not supposed to keep having fun. You're supposed to do the important things that adults do. Um, and actually I think in a lot of ways, the, some of those, some of those requirements and milestones we put in place, it's not possible for people to suc- succeed the way that society expects them to. Um, you know, if, if you, if you can drive when you're 17 or 16, I think you can get your junior license, 16, 17, I mean, like, it
0: differs to state, but anyway,
1: that, that that's scary that's terrifying, the fact that there are 16, 17-year-olds driving around. Those are,
0: oh, you know, think death about machines. This. There are 18-year-olds, uh, you know, with machine guns going into the cooking. military. Yeah. That's
1: right. But they can't have a drink. They do. Be- trust me. because. because uh, that's beside the point. Yeah. Society is saying that they are not mature enough to drink, but they are mature enough to die for their country. Yeah. And hold extraordinarily dangerous weapons mm-hmm. so but yeah th- that you have to have a certain amount of mach you don't want to be playing when you're holding a machine gun that's pre that's, that's not where I- the, the whimsy and play come into things <laughs> that's not where we no. want it
0: no yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> that's that's how we all get in trouble and have to listen to somebody what do they call it i forget uh Oh, man, I forget. Anyway, yeah, so uh, the messages we got as kids, though, I think sometimes contribute to that, not just the milestones, but, you know, if you grew up with messages like children are to be seen and not heard, um, you know, there are a lot of messages that I think that squash creativity when we're little, and then, you know, that becomes you know, less accessible as we get older, you know?
1: Well, I definitely think that, like, how, parenting has a lot to do with it. Now, when I was a kid, I absolutely hated this, but my mom definitely, she, she had whimsy. So, I think you probably remember being at my house and all of a sudden she was there doing something completely absurd and embarrassing and ridiculous and something I hated that she was doing, but it was funny. Everybody else thought it was funny. Um, And so she had that that lighthearted, whimsical thing. And I think when your family has some of that, it just makes it easier to embrace. Mm
0: -hmm. Or just having a safe place to... To yeah. do that where it's yeah. encouraged or yeah some of my memories of being at my grandparents house were um me talking in a made-up language and my grandmother just responding like she knew what I was
1: saying that's awesome
0: <laughs> maybe that's what started my love affair with language I don't know but uh yeah instead of having it um minimized and you know it's interesting um years ago somebody bought me and I'll put the link to this in my show notes, um, Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way. And if you haven't read that book, it's, it's phenomenal. And Hmm. it's almost like a step program to reconnecting with your creativity. And it's not just for artists, you know, like painting artists, it's for, um, anybody who just wants to be creative in anything they do. And it's sort of this step-by-step process of like regaining that part of you. And, um, and one of the things is it goes through like writing a letter to somebody who squashed your creativity when you were little. Um, you mail it to yourself, um, writing a letter to somebody who, uh, boosted that, you know, encouraged that about you. And there's just so many interesting places your mind goes when you think of that, that I, I did the program and, um, and I wrote a letter to, well, not to her. I mailed it to myself. But it was to my third grade teacher, Mrs. Henderson. I'll never forget her. She yelled at me for not coloring in the same direction. <laughs> but it's shit like that that, you know, you can, t- you can understand why kids are like, well, fuck it. <laughs> you know, I'm not doing this anymore. You made it not fun. Well,
1: and I think or part- they go... Or they go too far in the other direction, and they follow all the rules, and they get really anxious and obsessive about doing things right. Right. And And that just encourages, you know, anxiety disorders.
0: Right. I think the biggest part of whimsy is that there are no rules, right? You go in your own direction. And I think part of the format of this podcast, going in those rabbit holes, is part of keeping whimsy in it right because you never know what's going to go and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter
1: where it it goes that's right it does not matter part of part of that is also just letting your letting your brain do what it wants to do in moments that you don't necessarily expect like so if you and i go on a walk half of what we're talking about is this the ridiculous looking trees and all the whims trees my whims tree (laughs) the whims trees you bought a whims tree right I did and for people who
0: don't know this is a term that we made up for um it's a blue cedar a weeping cedar atlas tree I think that's the order of The name. Um, There are a couple different
1: styles, but yeah. There
0: are, and they remind me of Dr. Seuss. They're just weird. They're just weird, and they go in crazy-ass directions, and they're curly and droopy, and so we thought, this tree has whimsy, so we're going to call it the Whims tree. It's a Whims
1: tree. tree. That's right. (laughs) Whims trees. I do not have a Whims tree, but I, I used to, my previous home was right across the street from a Whims tree that looked like a guy Trying boxing, who's like <laughs> fists up, trying to fight with somebody. <sighs> <laughs> they're, um, they're awesome,
0: trees. Should we go back and explain what I was? <laughs> what I Again, was. Again,
1: this goes which whichever it, direction it goes. Right, sure. The,
0: the tape, the infamous tape.
1: Oh yes, go right ahead. How old? Which I have not located, but I do have a box of old tapes. So okay,
0: well, now you have a player. We're going to find it. That's I really right. was hoping you'd find it so I could put stupid little clips in between. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's never too late.
0: When are uh? When are we? Um, how old were we? Do you think?
1: <sighs> Early teens. So. Uh, like, yeah, like 13. 13. 14? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> I don't know how it started, but we made a tape of uh, telling a story.
1: So we, at the time, we did it a couple times where all of, we had a, we had blank tapes and we had a tape recorder and we just started recording ourselves. Now we are, this was pre-excess, extensive internet access, so yes. <laughs> kids had to have a lot more imagination. Um, So we did all kinds of weird stuff. Um, But, uh, yeah, so we started recording ourselves. I know that I have a couple... We we used to do weird recordings on people's birthdays, and whether they were with us or not, we'd call them, and it would all be recorded, um, like mixtapes and stuff like that that incorporated voices. But I don't know why we were recording ourselves in this case because it starts just us talking about nothing
0: yeah but then and
1: then uh, you started your story
0: yeah we created a story it was like improv it was storytelling and one person would start the other person would add like and it was a lot of fun and so we still to this day have a lot of inside jokes relating to things that we said after all these years we remember what we said uh, some things in what we said why do you think that tape is so a part of our lives still i don't know
1: i mean there's plenty of stuff that's that we also talk about that wasn't on the tape like like all the stuff so we used to draw elaborate maps make up whole worlds and yeah. draw maps and name all the places we created a religion um <laughs> <laughs> uh and With rules. suzetherism suzetherism is is what, what it was. Yeah. <laughs> so as i was just going through uh my my parents old storage unit i found a whole bunch of stuff including a box of old audio tapes and a scroll of explaining the guidelines of suzetherism so <laughs> yes <laughs> it talks about the various gods and goddesses and um and we we put it on a large piece of, of paper and then used um, pieces of bamboo that we found in the bamboo patch behind the house. And so it was like a real scroll and we tied it with a ribbon. The ribbon has seen better days. And we just taped it on there, by the way. And the tape is oh. like, uh, once upon a time I was taped and it's not really tape anymore. <laughs> it's like ugly brown stuff.
0: Maybe to your point, you know, because this was before the internet, there's something, um, another layer of uh, why people don't prioritize whimsy or, or play. You know, we're so distracted by tech these days and i think that's that maybe why it is so precious to us is because we were allowed to be bored and inventive and creative than is something that is harder to cultivate now
1: well so i actually this is something that comes into life adult life too um, innovation and invention and ideas come from having the, the free space to be bored and not have anything else weighing you down, not have distractions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's kind of in the business world, it's kind of backwards because everybody, everybody's busy all the time. So finding time to be innovative is hard because it does require free time. And mm-hmm. nobody wants to say, yeah, I got lots of free time. Cause then it'll, you'll fill that up quick with other stuff that still needs to be done. Um, and and I think now when people have free time, they immediately tune out. They go to one of the various video, you know, video apps, or which I don't have anything against them. I have a great time. I do on on <laughs> on TikTok and and You're you know, I love TikToks. Oh my goodness! I'm not. I mean, I watch the tiktoks? No, that's I do I mean. not create. Um, you should. <laughs> when, when
0: you're whimsgree.
1: Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm never I'm never aware enough of my whimsgree um, to to think of recording it. Although I did have a situation at work with one of my employees where I was absolutely whimsgree and she was laughing and I ended up telling her about you. <laughs> When we were kids saying that uh, when it, when I was angry, it was really funny to be around me when I was angry, as long as I wasn't angry at you. Yeah. That was But the, for,
0: th- for the p- folks just tuning in, in episode 14, we mentioned whimsgree is a term I made up for when Susanna's angry because she's also really funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of kind of wild gesticulating and there's hopping a, around. and Well,
0: there's also... Laughing uh, and... A wonderful language uh creative <laughs> language usage <laughs> that is brilliant and wonderful <laughs> and also you're you know I was listening to episode 14 earlier this morning and uh you're really good at voices huh, thank yeah, you and i noticed and i <laughs> thought about it i was like yeah you do voices a lot and i but it's always like totally right in the best moment for voices to be, um, particularly of the
1: British. (laughs) It tends to be of of some British, some variation on on the British theme, yes.
0: But it's wonderful. And I guess... They're so appropriate
1: in so many situations.
0: Well, it holds. It it holds. um, It gives levity to situations often, you know.
1: Now, so, so my immediate reaction would be to say something like, Oh yeah, it's quiet. And and I feel like I can't do that now because oh, no. No. Now I'm on me. the spot.
0: <laughs> I do think that uh the s- silly language I mean <laughs> there was a article I was reading. I tell some of my clients about these things and um there was an article and it was about kind of giving your, uh, and oh, I think we were talking about this last time I saw you that um, sometimes you need like a a safe word or a word to like snap out of those argument situations. And that in the article, this woman and her husband decided poop town was their (laughs) word to signify they're getting into an argument. They need space to, process and come back later to it. And, um, oh no, we're going to poop town. And just what, just the, just the, that automatically just, I mean, poop and farts are (laughs) you
1: know. So, so funny you mentioned that because it was just Friday night, Seth and I had a conversation about this, um, because sometimes one party is feeling whimsical and, and the other is absolutely not. And I was dealing with uh, some stuff. And he decided he was going to not allow me to deal with some stuff. And so he started shooting me with a water gun. And I was not pleased at all. Um, I was busy. <laughs> um, but after the fact, we had this conversation about... We couldn't remember what that term was. We were like, what was the one that Heather said? She said... I should find the article the thing? For you. I'll put so, it in the show So... We decided on a different one, okay. uh, Dick Fingers. <laughs> oh my God. Do you know that
0: every time I am breading something
1: and I <laughs> on fingers, fingers, immediately I'm like, oh no, Dick Fingers. <laughs> <laughs> so I absolutely feel like this is something that will work for us. Dick Fingers yeah. is very memorable and it when when things are just getting a little too intense and a little too real saying something silly like that makes a big difference
0: and Uh, it isn't to avoid the conversation or difficult conversations but sometimes in that moment we can't have those conversations
1: but even if you could like so in some cases just getting people out of their state their in that moment is enough to make it so you can have that conversation without it being the intense, potentially argumentative conversation it could have ended up as. Right. Um, this is I'm actually something I am very proud of myself for having done when I was a kid because my dad and I used to have a lot of trouble, um, and he was kind of he was he was wonderful but he was unpredictable in his in what would piss him off and. Except it was predictable that it would be me. <laughs> I would be one of the something I did would piss off my dad. Um, this was probably in my late teens, early twenties, and I, we actually ended up in therapy together at some point. But I came up with the idea of the Grumpkin. The what? Grumpkin was it was like, kind of like Superman, my where you, he is Superman and his alter ego is. Clark Kent, um, for my dad. He was the Grumpkin, but his alter ego was my dad. And so when he started getting a little bit, uh, a little testy, I'd ask, you know, is this, oh, are we, is this, is it time for, are you Grumpkin? Grumpkinning? Okay, is this, are we going towards the Grumpkin now? And he always ended up laughing and it always diffused the situation. Mm -hmm. In those situations, it usually wasn't an attempted conversation. It was, a a thing that had happened that had annoyed him. So it's not like we then were able to discuss it. It just wasn't necessary. It just calmed, calmed the arena.
0: Yeah. um, In an internal family systems lens, like a therapeutic lens, um, you know, we can't have adult conversations while we're blended with a defensive part of us. And so being able to find a way to shift out of that, um, we'll observe it first of all that we're in it and then sort of shift out of it in order to communicate or relate to someone is important you reminded me of something what was it I don't know I'm stuck on dick fingers
1: (laughs) (laughs) nobody wants to be stuck on dick fingers that's just
0: I think I'm going to have an excellent ab workout by the end of this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In a previous episode, two episodes ago, um, I was talking to Stu Lind about music therapy, and I was telling him a story about how um, instead of having a word like that, Keith and I, um, when we went to Aruba, we we bought maracas to angrily shake. (laughs) (laughs) We, we we discovered the amazingness of using an instrument, like a maraca, to shift, because it's really hard to sh- angrily shake a maraca and stay angry.
1: It's also hard to look at somebody who is shaking a maraca angrily and not laugh. So it's both, both sides.
0: Yeah, it's good stuff, so... And even when we're not mad at each other, um, one day I came home and I was kind of stuck in that part of, uh, you know, being annoyed or frustrated or whatever. And he was like, do you need a maraca? It's <laughs> like, yes, yes, I do.
1: <laughs> I need all the maracas. Bring me the maracas.
0: <laughs> what do you think would help, um, adults kind of prioritize whimsy, busy adults?
1: I feel like if I knew the answer to that, my life would be very different.
0: Well, just because you know something doesn't mean you do it.
1: <laughs> right. Absolutely. a 100% the case.
0: Especially, I feel like parents, because I have a lot of clients that are parents, and they come in and they're like, I don't have time for that. I'm right. I'm a parent. I ain't got time for that.
1: Well, you hear the same stuff. It's the same argument for people who want to start exercising. They don't have time or they want to start therapy or they're thinking about therapy. They don't have time. If you, if you looked at, in most cases, not every case, if you looked at your day, there's always time. It's just, what are you doing with it? Um, And especially if you are overly stressed and overworked, the time that you have that you could potentially do one of those things you don't want to do anything you want to shut off you want to zone out you want to watch tv or whatever
0: but it's a vicious cycle
1: it is because going to like starting to exercise and um and i don't mean you know go start daily crossfit training i mean go for a walk like anything walking has made a huge has made a huge difference for me um but that kind of thing re- reduces your stress and therefore makes it so you actually have more time not less time because yeah. you're not you're not as your brain isn't as busy with all the potentially toxic stuff that the the negativity and the
0: yeah i mean work. i feel like one of the sometimes when i do emdr therapy with people you know sometimes it's a difficult it's difficult to transition out of that into real life and so you know sometimes we do grounding techniques or whatever and sometimes i'm like let's just tell jokes because i feel like <laughs> laughter moves that stale energy out of the body and makes more room for other things in in sort of the same way that julia cameron's the artist way one of the things she talks about is something called morning pages where every morning you just dump on three pages Everything in your head. And it actually creates room for more creative, calm, you know, thoughts because you already sort of acknowledged and dumped all the negative bullshit. And it really does work. But to your point earlier, it's hard for people to. What's the word? Reconcile? Is that the word? Like. Um, or validate that time spent on themselves, <clears throat> not just on <clears throat> like this.
1: Yeah, so that that going down the, the path of of self-care, I don't think I don't think we're trained to do that at all. Yeah. I, yeah. I think for women especially, it's really difficult. Um, it's easy to see when other people need to do it. It's easy to tell other people they need to take more time for themselves. Um, Taking vacations. It's very easy to say, you know, you have vacation time. They gave it to you for a reason. Use it. Take your vacations. I, I don't, I don't take my vacations. Take I'm a terrible vacation. hypocrite. I need to take my vacations, but I'm too stressed about not being around. Well, and so, well, that goes to a whole different thing. That idea of the world will fall apart if you're not holding, holding on to the reins as tight as possible, which is, it's an illusion. It's not. Yeah. If you took a day, odds are the world wouldn't collapse. I uh, can't, can't be 100% sure. Maybe 9837 But I
0: I think adding whimsy to your life doesn't have to be a a huge chunk of time like a vacation would.
1: No, that's kind of my point. It could be you're walking down the street and you see a funny tree. (laughs) There you go. That's allowing your brain to look at something and be like, wow, that thing looks ridiculous or whatever. Just allowing your head to do that,
0: giving your dogs voices.
1: Oh, there you go. Uh, so I went on a search. I think this, there is a, uh, you know, I put, I put googly eyes on like everything. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm the one, <laughs> I'm the boss at work that sabotages people's offices with ridiculous toys and, and stupid things. Like weird little cat paws and squishy, squishy little animals that you can fling across the room and, and with googly eyes. What, we, what there seems to be a lack of, that I feel like Heather, there might be a market here, is ridiculous uh, adhesive stick arms oh, and legs.
0: I love those videos where they put arms Correct. on animals.
1: On chickens, especially. I love watching the chickens run around where they're, they've got the ridiculous stick, stick figure arms. And at the very least, I feel like they could make this for fruit. Like with a little pokey end, you, you could give that? your apples arms and send I, them to, to school with your children.
0: I asked yes. you this a long time ago, but did you ever watch that show, Miranda?
1: Not only with you.
0: I don't think we, we watched, ever watched it. it together.
1: We did. We watched it for a while. Did we? we. I don't. It, yes, it was at one of the one of your visits we started watching, but I did not watch past that point. Did you? Seth hated it. Really, but, it's so funny. Well, yeah, but, but he doesn't. She... He doesn't have. He doesn't appreciate the the British humor. So
0: well, she puts faces on all of her fruit, and it's fantastic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's amazing. That's wonderful. Um, and and that and simple and silly and easy. Um, and actually, this is one of the things I get a kick out of in the recent the, the recent video trends where people put googly eyes on their coffee and then blow through a straw and Mm -hmm. have, have you seen that with the phone? Oh boy. It's really funny. If you've got like a cappuccino, you put googly eyes on it and then you blow through a straw and it makes a a hole that, and then somebody screams or puts a like type of sound with it. I'll have to send you some, some links to this. It's very entertaining. That is a perfect way to be whimsical and, and, and like ridiculous. And in 10 seconds of time.
0: Well, I think I told you, and, and many of my clients have heard me go on about the marshmallow girl. Um, Is a video that went viral a year or two ago. There's a mother taping her young toddler. It says, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she says, I want to be a marshmallow. <laughs> and she goes, what? And she goes, I want to be a marshmallow and she goes what would you do if you were a marshmallow and she goes I would just wobble around in joy and I thought that is the best thing that I have ever heard and we should all be aspiring to be wobbling around in joy because (laughs) we have to find that marshmallow self you know
1: so I kids have an ability to access whimsy in a way that again i think we train people out of it um and it's it's really a shame Some i love having those conversations with i remember talking to my my nephew who's now 16 and but when he was really little and I used to babysit him, he told me this whole crazy story about going to Salamander Island with his friend and how they were the teachers they would drop him off, but they they weren't allowed on the island. I mean, he went on and on about Salamander Island. He has no memory of this at all. But Salamander Island was not a real thing. He but he he had so much clarity um, to, to the story. He knew all about Salamander Island because that's his he was allowed to be that kind of creative. But I've also interacted with kids, and this it could be, it could be parenting, it could be just personality, I've got no idea. But you'll say something and they'll I remember this one little girl, I don't remember what I said to her, but she said, that isn't real. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Oh, okay, five-year-old, um, I'm sorry that mm. you, five-years-old, like really little kid who couldn't handle something that wasn't, wasn't real, something that was made up. Mm. It's not real. Um,
0: that feels traumatic.
1: <laughs> when I was working at a zoo, uh, it was always a lot more fun to work with the younger kids because they didn't have their parents' jaded, unhappy attitudes yet. And not all of the older kids did, obviously, but sometimes you'd have a kid who was just really difficult and then you'd meet their parents and you're like, oh, okay. Hmm. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense now. But the younger kids, they wanted to look and see and learn and do and explore and experiment and they'd ask questions without, you know, reservation or the the construct that society puts on them, um, and sometimes that can be really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly because it's there are things we deem appropriate and inappropriate, and that's a societal construct. So it's kids don't they they've got the innocence that. They're not, they don't have any malice behind what they're asking. They're just asking.
0: Right. Um, yeah. And part of Julia Cameron's book thing is like, in order to heal that younger um, version of you that might have been stifled by some of those, whether it's parenting or, or whatever it is, or just um, our culture in general and the subcultures within it as well. Do you remember that video that went viral <laughs> of the, the little baby and he's just talking gibberish and the dad next to him is like, oh yeah, uh-huh, that's yeah. what I thought."
1: <laughs> yeah, just love I do help. remember that.
0: That was good. Well, was so it's,
1: it, it's a dad really letting his kid be whatever the kid wants to be. Not trying to understand, just letting the kid go. I'd let them do it and, the,
0: and even though they're not actually communicating, they are, and the kid is just keeps going with it, because it's connection, it really is, even if we're not really saying anything
1: <laughs> i I always got a crazy kick out of the videos you see of twins interacting, like babies, they aren't they are not speaking what we would consider to be an an audible language. But they are obviously communicating where one is responding to the other and um, one is laughing at what the other one is saying. But it's all in, you know, baby speak. I always got a huge kick out of that. Mm -hmm. Those are very cool.
0: It's really hard to get um, adults to play. I know, you know, I'm always doing some expressive arts therapy at work and people will say oh that's a that's a really cool idea Um, but actually taking the time out to to set some time out to actually engage in the play I think you know when it comes to that I think people are more likely to have their kids go to something like that than they are themselves and I guess again that goes back to what we were saying about you know, well, that's that's for kids. I don't I don't have to do that shit anymore. Yeah.
1: Well, so in some ways, I, I think it's okay. It's okay to kind of f- let when you have kids. Let the fact that it's okay for them to do it make it okay for you to do it because you're doing it for them. it, it if you get comfortable playing, then hopefully when the kid is no longer as playful, you'll still have some of the the comfort of playing. Cause I think that's a lot of it. Like, we're trained to no longer think that's what you're supposed to do. And they start, um, kids go to school from, you know, seven to three, they sit at a desk, you know, the the formative time of a child's life, generally speaking, although there has been some, some change to, you know, school technique, but I don't think all that much. You're still you're sitting at a desk at a time when playing is exactly what you you should be doing, not being forced to sit and listen to yeah, somebody I who's actually, probably really, really boring.
0: <laughs> I kinda wonder what that would do <clears throat> for the neurodivergent to be able to not have it so regimented in that or have more play within that space because well, I, they're bodies want to be doing something else?
1: Well, I think the, uh, there are like alternative learning schools that are, that play with that idea. It's unfortunately, when you're dealing with things like public schools, um, there you're talking about so many kids and so many parents that it's hard. Everybody has to fit in the box and people don't fit in that box, but it's hard to change a structure that's so well established,
0: yeah. Like that's that. that's a whole other rabbit hole. The education yeah. system, yeah. But uh, how else do you think in your life um, whimsy shows up these days? Oh, your you brother's know, bachelor party <laughs> was an excellent well, that was <laughs>
1: excuse. That was a great excuse. Um, well, but, but it was a one-off right? It was like a one time I had to come up with a bunch of really ridiculous things. So, what, you,
0: what Do I, you want to share? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it was very extensive, um, but I think the most whimsical aspect of it is that I decided we were, I knew that a group of friends of his were going, we were, I was going to take everybody into the city in a limousine. Um, and, but in addition to his friends, I decided he was going to have a massive stuffed animal with him. Um, which I decided was a huge whale and I named her chlamydia (laughs) and I made her a name tag that said, hi, my name is chlamydia. And it was in like a plastic, you know, name tag cover and it was clipped onto chlamydia and he had to carry chlamydia everywhere (laughs) we went (laughs) all day through the city. And if he needed somebody else to, Carry, if he needed his arms for something else, cause this is a huge whale. This is like a, it's gotta be five feet long at least. It's a, this is, she's a chonky whale. She's, <laughs> she's cool. She's awesome. Um, but he had to give chlamydia to his friends and say <laughs> the words, Will here is chlamydia. Can you please take chlamydia? You now have chlamydia. Like this had to be part of, um, and I have no idea why this came up. I have no idea how, but it was a conversation Seth and I had. I decided the stuffed animal thing. And then all of a sudden I said, and she will be named chlamydia. Why? No clue. It was just a thing. Um, so in that moment, I, I had allowed my brain to have enough space to be silly. Uh, and it was hilarious. We've got some great pictures of Mike with chlamydia. <laughs> Which, if you separate the definition of the, of the word from it, is a lovely name.
0: <laughs> it has a ring.
1: Um, other, well, so coming up with pet names has always been something that I, there's a lot of, lot of whimsy involved with pet names. So I have my new kitten. Um, there were like 30 names that she could have been. We decided, Chicory was the, the one that we landed on. Um, but the, the process of coming up with a name is hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. that she almost, she was almost named Pocket. Because I think that's freaking adorable. Pocket? What a well, great name for an animal.
0: <laughs> in episode 14, we were talking about, and, oh, and by the way, you obviously knew that your brother could handle that level of whimsy.
1: Correct. My um, brother is, is very, um, whimsically inclined <laughs> and he, we are very, very close. So yes, it was somebody who I was well aware would be able to handle a, a whale named chlamydia. Yeah. The embarrassment uh, of it. Cause it can be that, you know, you gotta sure. be careful with how embarrassed people will get.
0: Sure. Yeah, that's not the point of whimsy at all. But in episode 14, we talked about how he named your fig tree, parsnip. Yeah, that's correct. So there is something about names Particularly,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, and and so I have I've had a whole bunch of cats and I had a cat. I still have my, my 20 year old cat. His name is Lemming. I, I don't think there are very many people with a cat named Lemming. <laughs> it's a pretty unusual name for a cat um, or Spetzle, um, which is a different cat, Spaz. Um, so I I think and then every time you, you say that that name, it brings a certain amount of fun into into the conversation, yeah. so. I, I used to, w- when we're kids, we name everything. I had, every single stuffed animal I ever had, had a name. And in fact, going through the storage unit, I found one of them whose name was Turtle Fur William Tucker Turtle. <laughs> and he was a turtle guy who whose shell came off. And he the name tag that I had, I had long since removed, he was a Tucker turtle. But do you remember, turtle furs were those like neck warmer things? Mm-hmm. So it seemed like turtle fur was a perfect name and, and then turtle fur, Tucker turtle didn't work. So he needed a middle name, William. Obviously, <laughs> William.
0: Yeah, so Sometimes it's throwing the ordinary into the <laughs> non-ordinary that makes it whimsical. That's interesting.
1: Well, so you can see that in all kinds of places back to um, like comedy acts and stuff like that. Uh, They they call me Tim. We're (laughs) in
0: Delaware.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So sometimes the ordinary is the, because it's, it's, it's doesn't fit in the, in the moment. Yeah,
0: uh, maybe that's the uh, reason people name their cars. Like, that's a way for uh, the stuffed animal naming thing to continue <laughs> into adult <laughs> lives. Because uh, my husband, he, 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 Keith, was very adamant that he did not want to name his car. And I'm like, but you have to! Come on! <laughs> I don't know why, but I feel like it's important.
1: So it's funny because, I have, as I already mentioned, my mom had a lot of whimsy but she was a big believer in, in not naming inanimate objects. Mm. So, or, or over personifying, um, my car, the my first car, which I had inherited from my grandfather. Um, she was definitely a she, and she had a lot of personality. And I used to have conversations with my mom about this. And she's like, listen, she's a car. It's a car, not supposed to have a personality. Um, she, she said that I was creating this personality and that it wasn't like I was putting this on the car. Um, she was wrong. <laughs> she, was, she was absolutely wrong. Do you remember? We used to go around turns and the lights would all come on in the car. Do you remember this? <laughs> I don't. Um, it was, was she, either she was haunted. No, this was my white, the white car, my very first Uh-oh. car. And um, when I used to drive up to school, I would set the uh, cruise control because, you know, back roads up to Vermont. And um, I would set it... I'd be on a 55 road. I'd set it to 60. Something like that. Um, and if I set my cruise control to 60, I'd be just going along at 60. And then all of a sudden, I'd be going 80 in like three seconds flat. She would just be like, whoo! And I had... Mm. She just... She didn't like 60. She just didn't. I. I assume... It was right on a shift point in the car, and blah blah blah. But the reality was for, for the experience is that I could not ever set it to sixty without the f- fully embracing the fact that eventually, in seconds, we'd be going way faster. Mm. Um, so I always had to set it lower. But yeah, personality. She had personality. <laughs> Her name was Clarabel. Clarabel. That's Clara pretty. Bell. Clarabelle the cow.
0: My car's name is Betty. Like Betty Page.
1: Betty? Ah, I was going to say Betty Boop. Betty Page. Betty
0: is beat the fuck up. She might be getting traded in next year. Oh, no. (laughs) I know.
1: Well, you know, one of my cars I named Pinball.
0: I love that.
1: Yes, well, so that is because I actually, I inherited that car from my grandmother. And uh, she drove well into her way too old to drive years. Mm. Um, And she practiced what I refer to as touch driving, which is you stop when you touch something. And that's not the way you're supposed to drive. Mm. So pinball had little tiny dings in places. I don't have any idea how they got there. No clue. I don't know what she hit. And she it's not like she was speeding, crazy, crazy driver, but, you know, lots of little dings in the front bumper from going a little too far when parking um, or, you know, weird little scuffs. So pinball became that. Mm. She, was, she was a good car. She put up <laughs> with a lot.
0: <sighs> what do you appreciate now or currently, you know, That that are good examples of whimsy. I think one that we can both appreciate is Eddie Izzard, and absolutely, her comedy is very whimsical. Any other? Well, Willow, have you seen the show yet?
1: I haven't watched it yet. I I have not had a chance yet. But there's there's all kinds of things from our, from our childhoods that I would say um, fit into the whimsical, but you know, I also consider things that more recent old now, but more recent movies like um, the Simon Pegg and Nick Frost movies, like hot fuzz, yeah. so much whimsy there. They're into like, just, Shaun of the Dead was one of my favorite movies of all time. And yeah. it's, it's a horror movie. It's a, it was the first example of it that I had ever experienced of an intentionally comedic, successful horror movie. It had jump scares, it had grossness, it was a zombie movie, but it was also intentionally a comedy. It wasn't a comedy because it was bad, it was a comedy because it was that it was a good, well done comedy. And it's so whimsical. The ridiculous, silly things that they do, it's full of whimsy. And Hot Fuzz is similarly so. It's just brilliant,
0: yeah.
1: Very brilliant. Um, Things that, that you laugh at because they're fun, not because they're, I don't know. There's different types of laughter, different things that, it's a levity. There's a levity to it.
0: Yeah. I was watching American Auto, Have you seen this show? No. I watch it on Peacock. So it's probably on like NBC or something like that. But it's this really silly TV show about these people who work for an automotive company. Um, And the CEO and like all these people that work for her. It's kind of like Superstore, if you've ever seen Superstore. Oh, my God, Susanna, these are great whimsical stories. <laughs> but
1: the, the other
0: day I was watching an episode, and I laughed so hard at this <laughs> stupid, stupid part. I don't know why. It was like the guy's face and the delivery and the stupidity of it. And I could not stop laughing, and I had food in my mouth. <laughs> like it was a dangerous situation. <laughs> But it reminded me of this really amazing moment when I was a kid where we were on a family vacation with my grandfather and grandmother and we were in Maine. And it was like right before Hurricane Bob came and we all had to get evacuated. But we were watching – oh, my God, I just lost it. We were watching um, Naked Gun or something like that. I think it was like Naked Gun or one of those – movies I have to I have to look up what what it was, it was something along those lines and anyway there was a, there was a scene you know how stupid those movies are well there was a scene where like the guy goes cover me you know because they're about to engage in like firefight and a guy takes a blanket and throws it on him yes, and right. my grandfather could not stop laughing <laughs> but it was like that level of silliness that like I think just brings such good joy into our lives because because the world can be so serious I think it's absolutely important that we f- find you know that m- those pockets of hilarity
1: yeah I, I so I had a similar I have a very distinct memory of the first time God, it might be the only time I ever saw my dad really just lose it in laughter, I I introduced him to um, Louis Black, mm-hmm. the comedian, and my father, being a you know overweight Jewish man, listening to Louis Black, who does a whole bunch of stuff about being a an overweight middle aged Jewish man. I, my my dad was practically on the floor, and it just seeing other people have those moments is that, that it's contagious, that the sense of, of that, that pleasure that somebody else is experiencing is so contagious. And I'm pretty sure that science has, will, will back me up here, um, I believe that laughter does, has a physiological impact on the body and it, the chemicals that are produced from laughter change your moods they oh, like there's sure. all kinds of all kinds of things that can be impacted by having a little bit of laughter in and your it's world.
0: contagious they did a whole story right. where a random guy goes to a bus stop or a train stop or whatever and just starts laughing and eventually everybody starts Everybody's laughing, laughing. I And mean, we don't even know why we're laughing but that's the best part
1: that's that's the best i think that's great that's wonderful <laughs> so it's the silliness as opposed to yeah. so there's the light there's the light laughter and the light fun and then there's the so I, there are comedies that i cannot watch because it's all about humiliation and discomfort and mm-hmm. like there's just
0: that's there's why a, i don't like the tragicness office. it's like it, it's awkward and makes me I, feel awkward i don't
1: like it i was able to get past the office That one I'm able to appreciate, but there when everybody was ranting and raving about how wonderful um, Bridesmaids was, Mm. I I could not I just could not I I just don't don't I don't feel it I don't feel it Um, American Pie that was the other one yeah not a fan which at the time I was like if every single copy suddenly spontaneously combusted i'd be totally cool with that i hated that movie because it was it was like tragically funny it was at someone's expense Mm. that that just makes me really uncomfortable yeah
0: oh you know what kind of different (laughs) what what i just thought of well you and i tend to like british humor a lot yes and do you do you remember when we were in your sister's old room, which became your room, but I think it was your sister's room at the time, and we were watching Black Adder.
1: Oh my god, Black Adder. (laughs) So good. So good. Yeah,
0: that was uh, you know, just that sort of um, what do you call it? Uh, That British style of of delivery, like, what am I trying to think of? The
1: Suspicious-looking sausages in a a scarlet scarlet, scarlet, (laughs) scarlet pimpernel sauce.
0: (laughs) I feel like somebody referenced that not too long ago on the internet, and I was like, oh, my God. Um, No, what's the British movies? What am I trying to think of? With the guy in the armor, he gets his arm cut off. It didn't hurt.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's just a flesh wound? Yes. Um, Monty Python. Monty Python, yes. So that's what I was quoting earlier when I said, they call me Tim? (laughs) (laughs) That's from Monty Python. And if you, I believe John Cleese was the person who said it, and he actually said in the moment when interviewed about it, he couldn't remember the name that he was supposed to say. (laughs) So he just pulled out, and it's like this hugely iconic, Crazy iconic uh, one line. Because again, line.
0: it's like putting it's... the ordinary in an absolutely
1: bunker situation. Sometimes also, just adding a question mark to the end of something can make all the difference. <laughs> so was just the fact, if he had said, they call me Tim, it would have been entertaining, but not nearly as funny as having that. Uh, uh, Is it though? That, Is it?
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. I, uh, oh, I'm going to put this in the show notes too. I always kind of encourage people to try to access humor in different ways because when we are in distress, when we are, you know, stuck in something, sometimes that is a great way to transition into other things. And, um, I used to have a Pinterest board, which I still do, but it, I had to create a new Pinterest account. So I lost a lot of the things that used to be in there. I know, long story. Anyway. Hmm. And I have this whole, th- like, like, humor thing. And there's, like, two things in there right now. One is shit Italian moms say. And <laughs> if you haven't watched this video, there's two of them. There's a part one and a part two. They are – and I, I feel like you probably appreciate it more if you come from an Italian-American family because it's, like, it's pretty fucking accurate. And it's hilarious. Um, And then I have – um epic rap battles of history (gasps) i have the bob ross versus pablo uh uh picasso Picasso. yeah yeah and it is the best i could watch it a hundred times in a row it is so freaking funny
1: i love i love epic rap battles it's so good. So good so good
0: um and, you know, I made that board because I feel like, oh, that'd be a good place to go if I'm feeling like having a, you know, a shitty day um, to go watch something that is timeless will always make me laugh or at least put a smile on my face no matter what. And I feel like, you know, just like laughter, whimsy in general can be contagious. And,
1: yeah. So, and whimsy doesn't have to mean laughter. It just has, right. it's its a lightness. So Bob Ross is actually, I think, a fascinating example. Mm. Um, because he's someone, he was in the Air Force. He like, yeah, was he, is not, he is not someone who you would expect to have become this painter of light, light and whimsy. Like this lighthearted, he doesn't, he didn't paint darkness and, and you know. Mm-hmm deep stuff. It was always super lighthearted. And that, that was his way of finding whimsy in, in his life. Like,
0: Yeah. He actually hated being a drill instructor and on his breaks would go paint.
1: It's, it's remarkable that he would have ended up a drill instructor. I know. Like, that's, <laughs> that's amazing to me. But, uh,
0: Um, so I wrote down a lot of things to put in the show notes that are examples for people to go watch and, and laugh at. Do you have any additions?
1: Hmm. There's uh, offhand. I, I'm not, I'm not thinking of anything. Um, but of course I know that there's tons of, tons of stuff, um, There used to be, I I think this, this went inactive ages and ages and ages ago. And it's something that I used to go to when I was in college. Um, There was a website called Fuck You Penguin. (laughs) And this website was, all it did is it found these extraordinarily adorable pictures of penguins and other adorable animals. And then it just, it was like a rant. Of how how dare you be this obnoxiously terribly catastrophically adorable? Like how could you do this? Um, get a job, you penguin! Like it just <laughs> and and it's that used to be one of my. It has it sounds negative, but it really wasn't. It was such a a, a funny. It was it was whimsy. Mm. It was a really good example of. You know, you're angry at something and it's, you're not angry. It's just a ridiculous thing you're ranting about and you're hilarious and silly when you're doing it. And, uh, I would, that was like my go-to for, uh, a little bit of levity when I was in college. Mm. Fuck Mm -hmm. you. Fuck you, penguin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me and talking about the whimsy in our lives. And, uh,
1: we not. We're not the whimsy. <laughs> the whimsy that I'm constantly trying to access and get more of in my world.
0: Well, it's always a process, right? Yeah. Always a practice.
1: Um, it's easier, easier for some than others, too.
0: Sure. But regardless, it is um, necessary for life.
1: I completely agree.
0: Well, those are your words,
1: so I would hope so. <laughs> necessary for life. Uh, okay. Yes, I said those things. <laughs> So you are agreeing with me. Yes. Indeed.
0: Indeed. All right, Susanna.
1: <laughs> this is a hard podcast. I don't know how these things end.
0: Well, okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in connecting with Heather, please see the show notes for that info. If you'd like to be a guest on the Symmetry Sessions, the link to send us your request is also in the show notes. If you enjoyed the show and you'd like to show some support, buy me a coffee. At www.buymeacoffee.com slash SymmetrySesh, S-Y-M-M-E-T-R-Y-S-E-S-H, you can make a small donation to help keep the episodes coming. When you buy me a coffee, you're supporting small business professionals and podcasters. Every donation helps me to get better podcasting equipment and network to find new and interesting guests. Don't miss an episode. The Symmetry Sessions launches every first Friday of the month, so make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time.